Hey, MFAers, head over to mfapayday.com to get your very own customizable free pitch your pants off tracker. That's at mfapayday.com. That's at mfapayday.com. Welcome to MFA Payday, where we talk with people about all the ways they make their MFA pay. We're your hosts, Dreama Drudge. And Barry Drudge. We'd like to welcome today Elizabeth Burton. Uh, Elizabeth Burton is a working writer whose fiction and nonfiction have appeared in numerous literary journals and anthologies. She holds an MFA from Naslin Mann Graduate School of Writing at Spalding University, uh, she lives and teaches in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, with her husband and a plethora of animals. So we want to welcome you, Elizabeth. Yes, welcome to the show. And I have to ask at the top of the call, could you tell us a little bit more about those animals? You said a plethora. What do you have? Oh, my goodness. We have so many. We have <laughs> four cats at the moment that may go up as my husband finds them around the farm. Um, and and he usually finds them as tiny little sick kittens. So we Aww. bring them in, nurse them, and then we just can't let them go. And so we have four cats at the moment, three dogs, um, a bird that you will hear happily chirping because he likes to chirp when I talk, and two <laughs> horses. Wow, impressive. Suddenly yeah. <laughs> I was thinking if you ever needed an audience to practice reading to, you would have it. Right? I do. I do. The horses particularly like to be read to. Aww. Oh, I was kidding, but that's so great. Yeah, it's true. They really, I I will go out and actually practice reading to um to the horses. Sometimes I'll practice an English lesson I'm not sure of. Um for my students and they're, they're pretty good listeners. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's neat. Absolutely. Oh, well, so tell us a little about your MFA journey. I mean, what made you decide to go after an MFA? Um, I had always <laughs> been a writer and I had been pretty successful with in the Christian market. Um, writing short stories and short articles and devotionals and things like that. Um, and I was even making a little bit of money at that. But it had gotten to the point where I knew exactly how to do it. And I was getting bored. <laughs> and so I wanted to stretch myself a little bit and write, you know, I always read literary stuff. So I thought, well, maybe I can write it. And so I actually applied to um, the MFA program. I only applied to Spalding. And, um, and it was Spalding at the time that I applied oh, yeah. to the Naslin Mann Graduate School. I'm still trying to get used to that. But um, I applied and got in and it was an amazing journey. It was really fast and really intense and i am so glad i did it well that is just that, that sounds similar to our story but uh, did you do any abroad program didn't i i really 
I want to one of these days, but with my schedule, it's pretty hard to do that. Yeah, understood. With, with all these animals, it's kind of hard to get away. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Roundtable Literary Journal editor? Is that right? I am now. Okay. Um, and that is um, part of my job at the community college, which I got because of my MFA. Mm -hmm. um, so the way I make my MFA pay <laughs> is <laughs> I am teaching full time um, as a community college English instructor. And one of the privileges I have working here at Hopkinsville Community College is to be one of the editors of the Roundtable Literary Journal. And so that's that's really awesome. It's it's such a an honor to be given people's work to work with and to to just be entrusted with work and artwork that people put so much time and energy into and to know that they are scared and nervous about having somebody read their work and a lot of times we're the first publication for people yeah. And so that's really awesome. I hate having to send out the um, the rejection letters. So honestly, you know, <laughs> I make the other editors send out the rejection letters. I am the one who sends out all of the acceptance letters. Which, so which, she has a harder heart than I do. <laughs> which, well, full disclosure, I mean, I... I'm one of those people that received your acceptance letter yeah. during COVID. So that was a very exciting thing. I loved it. I mean, and I, yeah. I, and I really like the journal. I think it's great. I was excited to be part of it. How long have you been an editor with the journal then? Um, I'm going into my fifth year. I don't know if you're able to share this, but if you are approximately how many submissions do you typically get per reading period? Oh, it varies wildly. Mm -hmm. um, before COVID, we were getting probably around 300 submissions. Oh, wow. And now we're getting, through COVID, we started getting around 500. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Since you are also a writer, I guess one of the questions I'm curious about is what are you working on now? Have you got something on the burner or yeah. is it just too busy? <laughs> well, I am really busy and sometimes it's hard to come up with enough time. Um, but so what I'm working on right now is a novel and um, it's not my first novel. I've written several of them, but this is the one that I hope has a really good chance of getting published. Oh. So it's um, in 1957, rural North Carolina, um, a 14-year-old girl is a victim of the eugenics policy of forced sterilization. Oh, my. And she leaves North Carolina for Hopkinsville, Kentucky. In search of her ventriloquist idol, um, but will another injustice call her home? 
Wow. <laughs> that's that, something. That's fascinating. Okay. If you need a beta reader, I'm raising my hand. <laughs> oh, awesome. I'm sure I will. Right now, it's still in the messy middle. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully, and I have so much to rewrite, but it's coming together and I can actually see the end. Oh, wow. And how long have you been working on that? Oh, my goodness. Since I start, I got the idea my very last semester at Spalding, mm -hmm. and I had 200 pages written. Ooh. And then it occurred to me, I was writing it in third person point of view. And it occurred to me that I was actually doing an injustice to my character because her whole story was about her voice being taken away from her. Mm. And then I realized it had to be in first person. Oh my, yes. So I had to completely start over instead of just trying, when you're dealing with that many pages, it's not just a simple thing of, you know, find and replace. Yes, I've been there. I totally yeah. understand. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it was basically start over again. And um, and I've had to learn to do a lot in a very little bit of time because my life is really crazy. And so sometimes it's a half an hour a day. Sometimes it's 15 minutes, but it's still going. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's really important. I think that's a, a good bit of advice to, to many people that go out there because it's one of the things we find when we talk to people is that they say something to the effect of, well, I just don't have time. It's like, well, make time, you know, turn off the TV 15 minutes early, yeah. and then, you know, before you go, whatever. You got to make time to go ahead. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And since you are the editor of a literary journal, I think we would be remiss if we didn't ask you, for writers who are wanting to submit more to literary mm. journals, um, what are some things maybe people get wrong? Like, what are some things they do that are, are rude or unintentionally pushy or, or something you think they could do better? Do you have any tips for people who want to submit? Well, the main thing that we get at Roundtable um, is people not reading our guidelines. And mm -hmm. why that's really important for us is because we're a family-friendly journal. We have a children's section and it's quite robust. So we have, you know, children from all over the country plus local children that submit their work. And so we can have, you know, the F word in a title for example. Right. Sure. Yeah. It's no. it's just cuz these are little kids. I mean, we're talking like second grade. Oh. And and their work is so huge and it it really makes the journal to be perfectly honest. I mean, mm -hmm. we all love reading about the Halloween bear and things <laughs> like that. We we just love it. And so because of that, we can't have overt sexuality, we can't have overt, you know, gratuitous violence, we can't have a lot of curse words. So that's really important for us. And uh, people just ignore it. 
Yeah. So because we're listed on Duotrope as one of the friendliest markets for new riders, which is great. We're thrilled about that. But that doesn't mean that you can't read the guidelines. That's a, that's an excellent point. I think that can be generalized to a lot of them. I mean, you know, one of the things somebody told me early on was don't write to, or you find the things that fit your writing, I think was the way that it went. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to just tip my hat to you because what a wonderful feature for your journal to have that you're nurturing these young writers. That's just so special. Thank you for doing that. Oh, yes. Oh, it's so much fun. It's the best part of the <laughs> journal. We love it. Oh, that's very, very neat. Well, now you've given us advice for submissions. What advice would you perhaps give for an MFA or out there or someone who's interested in, in getting into the MFA program? Is there something that you in your journey can look back on and, and share that might help them? Well, one thing was I was way too nervous about the whole process. <laughs> <laughs> I was so caught up in doing everything perfectly and doing it well that, that I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have. Yeah. understood yeah <laughs> and because it, it is really intense and I took everything very seriously as you should but I think I let my anxiety get the best of me sometimes and really it's supposed to be fun and otherwise why are we doing it Perfect. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. I have a two-parter here. Okay. What are you cur currently reading? And are you reading books to help with your own novel? Like for instance, you said you're writing a Southern novel, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so are you reading books to complement your writing or just reading just whatever suits you? What are you reading nowadays? Well, right now I'm reading the most fascinating book that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm writing <laughs> and it's called If I Had Your Face by Francis Cha and it's about a world I didn't know existed which is the Asian specifically Korean obsession with plastic surgery <sighs> and it's it's like I said, it's a world I didn't know existed, and it's just fascinating. Um, I think I prefer to write things that are different than what I'm working on, um, because they can still teach me a lot, sentence structure, um, the way words are put together, just the way chapters are put together, but I can't copy it. And I, it's not that I worry so much about unintentionally copying something, but I know I have a tendency to pick up on other writers' styles. And so I try very much to stay away from, um, from other Appalachian works or other Southern works when I'm working on my own stuff right now. For example, I'm dying to read Silas House's new Lark Ascending 
I'm just uh, dying to read that, but <laughs> it's going to have to wait until I'm not working on mine right now. <laughs> Besides uh, being something that might be a, a palate cleanser, it's and you learn something from it, but you don't also have to have something necessarily in your lane per se. Right, right. And this book is just really well written. I think it's getting some awards and some recognition right now. And I'm in a book club with a friend of mine in New York, and we choose something new. We trade picks every now and then. We read poetry and we read fiction. And um, the poetry is to just sort of, we're both fiction writers. And so the poetry is to help us become more aware of, of words and how they go together. Mm -hmm. And um, the fiction is just, you know, to teach us craft. And so I think it's really important to read vastly and whatever suits you. Yes. So don't feel constrained. Like if you love science fiction, I've got a Star Trek novel on my audio book right now. Um, <laughs> So it's not like I just read high literature. Um, I I really like whatever suits me at the moment. As long as I keep reading, I'm learning something. Oh, that's a soundbite right there. That's absolutely. <laughs> now, I do have a question. I'm sorry to say I'm not familiar with if I had your face. Um, is that nonfiction or fiction? It's fiction. Oh, oh wow. Okay. And it's just, it's really... I had never heard of it, but my friend in New York uh, ran across it, um, and he said, hey, let's try this one, and so we did, and we're both just like, wow, I never knew this, so it, it's just really interesting. Yeah, oh, thank you so much. I know um, I'm going to be adding it to my reading list for sure. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah definitely. In that vein, what would be your best tip for writers in general outside of submitting things to you as a writer? And if, do you have, I guess that's another question. Do you happen to have a class that you teach on writing? Is there a creative writing class or? I do I'm teach a creative writing class. Um, I teach several and I also oh teach through the Carnegie Center um, in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I teach, I have taught uh, classes on how to be an anti-racist writer, huh? and um, I taught that with my best friend, Claudia Love Meyer. And, oh, Claudia. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're just also, back from Paris with her and the oh, group. Yeah. Awesome, <laughs> awesome, yeah. I teach that class with her, and um, I've also taught classes on setting versus place. Huh? And that is a little bit, it, it's showing how, you know, a lot of people talk about setting as a character. And I think that place, although a little bit different, um, Eudora Welty said that place is the lesser angel of fiction. Mm. And um, so I, I teach a class through the Carnegie Center on how to explore that concept a little bit. Um, so, and that's another way I make my MFA pay is, is I teach through, um, I teach a lot. I teach some local classes, 
um, through the, the public library here and through the senior center. And I also teach through my college, um, teach some, some classes there. And may I ask, do you prefer one group to another or maybe you don't want to answer that question? <laughs> well, it depends on what they're looking for. Um, I really prefer working with seniors, actually, um, because that seniors and little kids are the ones that are really open to trying new things usually. Um, it's and they aren't so afraid of making a mistake. Yeah. And I guess that would be my advice to writers. Write that really awful first draft. <laughs> yeah. Because we all write really awful first drafts. It's and, an echo of Anne Lamott. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it, but I'm a preacher's kid. So oh, yeah, under, <laughs> yeah. understood. That's no, that's quite all right. We'll be polite. <laughs> we're, we're in polite company now. <laughs> I would um, love to know more about how you differentiate setting in place, but maybe that's like a nugget you would want to say for your own class. But I just want to say, I find that concept fascinating. Oh yeah. Being <laughs> yeah, writers, we want yeah. to learn something. Yes. We'll definitely have to get together and talk about that. Yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah. Um, Cause there it's more abstract. So setting is, is very concrete. And place is is like more abstraction. So if that gives you any hints on oh, sure. um, yeah, yeah, on yeah. How I differentiate it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And we always like to give our guests the opportunity. Is there something that will give you the give you the soapbox? Is there something that you would like for our listeners to know that maybe people don't always ask you about? Well, I think. People always ask me when they hear what I'm working on, because I've been working on this novel since my last semester at Spalding. And so I think people are getting a little sick of hearing about it. Oh, no. <laughs> but people never ask me how the ventriloquism came in. I wanted to ask that. I wanted to ask that. So oh, please yeah. tell hey, us. Well, good. You have good instinct. Um, well, what happened was the title came first and the title is a puppet's voice oh and so i knew i wanted ventriloquism in there because the symbolism of losing your voice through the eugenics sterilization and having no choice in the matter and having, you know, your rights taken completely away from you. Um, the symbolism of that with a puppet and ventriloquism regaining your voice mm. um, seemed to be really profound to me. Um, but nobody ever asked me about that. They're always just like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> no, I think the whole thing is astounding. I'll be a buyer of that book when it comes out. Oh, let's say. Good. Yes. Good. I do have a couple of agents interested, but I, that means I have to hurry up and finish the thing. <laughs> you know, if only our books would listen to us when we say that, right? I know. Or the little book 
elves would come along and, and finish <laughs> it overnight while I'm sleeping. <laughs> that would just be wonderful. Oh, and my favorite part of the writing process is actually revision. So I'm mm. still in the muddy middle of the rough draft process. Um, and so I can't wait to get to the revision process. I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> you are preaching to the choir here. At least I, I can't speak for Barry, but oh, yes. Oh, no, yeah. Amen. Yeah, the, uh, the revision is just, you know, I, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, when I revise, when I can read like a page and nothing like stops me, nothing makes me go, hmm, I'm like, okay, then this page is ready and I go on to the next page. And yeah. Is it kind of like that for you as well? Yeah, it is. It is. If if there's no, nothing that I think, oh, wait, I have to fix that. Here, let's make a red mark. Then, yeah. and, and I don't make red marks when I grade my students' work because studies have shown that red marks are bad for students' psyche. Mm. Um, and But I make red marks for me. I don't care about my psyche. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Because red will stand out nicely on the page. That's what I've right. found anyway. Right, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. Or purple or pink, as long as it's a contrasting color, I don't care. Yeah. But yes, yeah. that's important to me. Yes. Yeah, we, we, had a, we both had a professor at our local university that uh, another professor said, well, he seems to like like a dog to mark his territory. So he's doing that all over your paper. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We just we just appreciate this so much. I guess here's a question. Where can we find you online? If well, we right now, um, I'm working on my website. So my website is down at okay. the moment. Um, but uh, right now, the best place to find me is either on Facebook or Twitter. And I'm at eburton underscore rights on Twitter. Okay, good, good. Noted. Thanks so much for being on our show. Elizabeth, it's been a pleasure. I'm, I'm so glad to have seen you face to face yes. and, and word to word audio as well. Um, so we just thank you for your time. Everybody just wait in anticipation for her book. And yes. in the meantime, keep writing, writing all, all the, the things. things. All the things. things.